Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. You're doing a good job. And in case you don't know, my name is Caleb, and I'm your host. All right, we are back. I took a week off last week because I was in New York giving a keynote, which I absolutely loved. Well, I don't actually love New York, but I love the fact that I am back in person giving keynotes. I think that uh, this year alone, I have done over 45 virtual speaking gigs, and now I've had a few in-person gigs, and it just feels so, so good uh, to be back. Anyways, with that being said, we are back on the podcast this week with a new episode, and we are talking about love. (laughs) Honestly, it's funny to me because the last thing that I was looking for in my life was to fall in love. Or actually, let me say it like this. The last thing that I was expecting in life was to find what I would call my soul partner. And it's interesting to me because as I look back at the last decade of my life, all of the work that I had been doing, really, it was to create space to invite love in. All of the healing and the letting go and the grieving and just doing the work. It was all about creating the space in my heart and in my life to invite love in. And that's what we are talking about today. Today's guest is Amber Kelher Andrews, and she is a leading relationship expert, and she's actually the CEO of the number one matchmaking firm in the world. Yes, the world, which is Kelher International. Kelher International is a family-owned global matchmaking firm, and for over three decades, they have helped busy executives and the world's most successful people find love through their upscale and high-end personalized and discreet matchmaking. It's actually really interesting to hear her talk about this because Kelher International is responsible for thousands of marriages and they have an 87% closing rate, meaning 87% of their clients end up in a long-term relationship or marriage. You may also recognize Amber's name because she was also the matchmaker from NBC's Ready for Love uh, show where she brought her expertise to helping everyone from actors and athletes to entrepreneurs and executives find love. I really do love this conversation. And just so that you are aware, the first half of this conversation is all about finding love. And then things slightly shifted in the second half when I asked Amber a, a more vulnerable question. And honestly, her answer and the conversation that we had around this question felt like church. I hear a typical Sunday service, so don't worry about that, but it was, it, was, it was food for the soul. That's right, it was food for the soul, and I promise you that you'll walk away feeling nourished. And the last thing before we dive into this podcast, can I ask a really big favor? If you find this episode useful in any way, it would mean the world to me if you left a review on my podcast, as well as share this episode with one friend that you might think would benefit from it. That would be so, so helpful. And now that we've gotten that out of the way, here's what Amber has to say. Well, Amber, I um, am so excited to have you here today, and I'm excited to have this conversation because I, I, I will be honest with you, 
I never expected to find really satisfying and fulfilling love in my life. And it has been the most pleasant surprise um, now that I have. And I can't even begin to tell you since meeting my wife, Kara, who I would 100% call my, my soul partner, my soulmate, love inside of the context of our relationship has transformed my life in the most unimaginable ways. And so knowing that you're the CEO of the world's largest matchmaking firm, <laughs> let's just say that I'm excited to uh, talk about love with you today. Well, thank you so much for having me. And that's exactly right. I love the word transform. Mm. Our, our, when, we, when we have our all company calls, we get excited about the, the newest, latest way that we've transformed someone's life through purposeful connection and love. And that's really what we're, we're here for, I believe, why we're on this, uh, this planet so that we can connect, have relationships, find love, be loved, and, um, and support each other through, through our life. More than all the other things that we have to distract us, it really does come mm. down to love. Love is the center of everything. It really is. I'm actually just curious, um, off the top of your head, what would you say, and you don't have to use names or anything, but is there a favorite love story that you have out there? I do actually have a recent love story. Okay. It's hard to have a favorite love story, but I can okay. tell you a recent love story. Um, so my birthday was a month ago and I was at the local um, beautiful resort that I'm, I live in um, Montecito, California. Beautiful. So it's just outside of Santa Barbara. And there's a new resort called the Miramar and it's right on the beach and it's really beautiful. And it was my birthday. And I thought, all right, I'm going to bring 10 of my friends and we're going to come down family and friends and we'll just splurge and have champagne and sit on the, you know, sit by the ocean and, and, uh, and have a beautiful breakfast. So we, we needed three tables because there was a few of us. And so we all kind of spread out. I put the kids at one table and I'm at another table and I, I see a woman and we were still wearing masks. So I see a woman walk by and she was holding the hand of a little boy couldn't see the boy's face and I recognized her eyes and I'm looking at her eyes and I'm thinking boy where do I know her from but I actually can't place that I actually know her I, she's just very familiar so uh go back 15 years ago in Los Angeles when I was working um out of our Santa Monica office there was this great gentleman that joined named Dan and Dan was an entrepreneur, extremely successful, kind of a high roller and, and just, you know, wanted to find that exceptional woman. So I introduced him to about four or five women in Los Angeles and he thought they were fabulous, but nothing clicked. I get a phone call from Dan uh, a couple months into his membership. He had to go to um, Europe, uh, London in particular. And he said he was gonna be there for about a month. And he called me up and he said, Amber, I, and this is 15 years ago. Amber, I know you don't have a lot of clients in Europe, but I'm, I'm stuck here for four to six weeks. Uh, if you think there's anybody that I should meet, he said, give me a call because I've got my you know, private jet and I can fly anywhere. So I started looking through our European files and I found this beautiful woman named Anna in Poland. And because I had matched Dan a few times previously in Los Angeles, I knew what I was looking for and I knew she was it. So I called up Dan and I said, your wife is in Poland. Would you call <laughs> And he said, well, Amber, if my wife is in Poland, he said, yeah, I'm going to Poland. So he flies to Poland, he meets Anna, they fall right away in love, but she can't come back to the States because she's like really Polish. She's like lives in the family and downstairs is the store and her sister, you know, is, is, is the partner and the parents are still working and they're like, no, 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 Anna lives in Poland, Anna will be staying in Poland. And so Dan stayed in Poland for a while, fell in love with her, but ultimately he had to come back. So he comes back to Los Angeles and calls me and says, well, that's kind of a tough one because she's in Poland. <laughs> 
<laughs> so he said, uh, she's perfect for me. So, you know, keep it going. So for a year or two, I'm matching him here and there and he's busy traveling. And he finally calls me and he says, I cannot stop thinking of Anna. I'm going back to Poland and I am not leaving until Anna comes home with me. So I said, go get her. So he flies back to Poland and he literally moves in with the family. And after six months, he talked them into letting Anna come to America because he said her life is gonna be extraordinary. So 15 years later, I'm sitting wow. in the restaurant on my birthday and I see this woman walking by and I'm like, where do I know her from? Cause they sent me photographs of their wedding and they sent me photographs of their son, right? So I see her and as she turns around coming back from the restroom, I now see the son's face and immediately I realize, oh, that's the son. And then I look up and I go, that must be Anna from Poland. And then I look over and I go, Dan. <laughs> and he looks over and he hasn't seen me in 15 years. And I said, it's Amber. And then Anna turns around and she goes, Amber? And I was like, Anna? And she goes, oh my God. And she started to cry. And she said, you have changed my life. Uh. She said, I have my husband and this is my son. And she said, my entire life has changed. I've always wanted to meet you. And I said, well, it's my birthday. This is literally one of the greatest. You guys are like my favorite couple and I never got to meet you. And Dan came over to the table and then he bought the check for all 10 people, which I don't even know how many thousands of dollars. That was <laughs> it was the greatest birthday ever. And so um, that was just a recent story and it spans 15 years in another country. So that's the one I, I share with you. That honestly is like the best birthday gift I can imagine. It was fantastic. And my mother, Jill, who started Kelleher International, my partner, she was at breakfast with me and she oh. knew the story. We'd actually had a photograph of their son because when they sent it to us, the picture of their son, who was only maybe five, was running and the hair was kind of blowing and he had a shirt that said living the dream. And that's another one of the things that we say every day we live the dream because we're finding love for everybody, right? So we have this photograph of their son on our wall in our office. So when the son turned around and they're coming back and I saw the face of the son, I'm like, oh my God, this is like our poster child. <laughs> and so anyway, it was a great love story. They're sending me uh, her sister who has since come to America. So now my next uh, match will be to match Anna's sister. And I'm sure I'll, I'll find her an amazing, an amazing man. Gosh, I am so blessed by that story. <laughs> I, it's so good. And it really is. Um, it just it love it happens in the most unexpected ways. Um, but I know that a lot of the work that you do. Well, let me say this. I'm just kind of curious on like the criteria of matchmaking, because I'm imagine especially you working with um, uh, CEOs, entrepreneurs, elite individuals who are probably arguably uh, short of time as it is, they're always on the run. They're making this deal, doing this, doing that, flying to this place or flying to that place. Um, a lot of them, I would argue, might not have the the space for relationships, um, but they want a relationship. What is like the criteria of somebody entering into your matchmaking firm? And then also after you match them, is there a follow-up that helps with maybe uh, consulting inside of, the, inside of that, that match that you made? I love this question because you're going to allow me to pitch our Please. new 2.0 model. <laughs> okay. So for 33 years, we've been around founded by my mother, Jill Kelleher back in the eighties. I joined her 10 years later and we were just exclusive matchmaking. We would take 25 people out of 20,000 every single month that would submit and come to our website. Wow. 
were so exclusive because we didn't want to um, have to hire thousands of matchmakers. We really wanted to stay a family business. We've had about 40, 40 people that work with us and we wanted to simply do what we do best, which is match people that are emotionally ready, mm. match people that, that are extremely particular, usually high, very high net um, uh, uh, worth and, and, uh, and profile, maybe a public profile. So they need to be very careful about putting themselves out there, right? They need to protect themselves. They need to be discreet, confidential. To your point, super successful. So probably too busy to go through Tinder and all these other ridiculous <sighs> that are out there. And then at the same time, these are also individuals that are very, very accustomed to outsourcing. If they're going to get a CEO or they're going to have a business partner, they're not going to find them in the produce department. They have a certain way to do business. And so for them, this makes a lot of sense. And we've been the most successful matchmaking firm doing what we do best, which is that. However, right before COVID, I got kind of tired of meeting a lot of these great men in transition where they've gotten the, the separation, but the divorce is taking time because they have a lot of they have a lot of money to deal with, right? Some divorces are costing four million dollars depending upon who you are, or or four dollars depending upon who you are. But we usually get the high. So the divorces take a little bit of time, or the women will contact us and say, you know, um, I'm, I'm in transition, I've just sold my business and I wanna fly around, but I'm not sure where I should relocate. If I meet a man, I'll relocate there because I can live anywhere. So these people are all in what, what seems to be a similar pattern of transition, hmm. changing their lives, changing their careers, changing their partner, whatever it is. And they contact us in that transition. And unless they were emotionally ready in the past and available for a relationship and divorced, they would get put on a wait list or would, they would get denied. Hmm. What we started doing is the Kelleher 2.0 model is realizing that we are so much more than a match. We have some of the best coaches in the world. We're working with Alexander Grasha as an example, taught at Harvard, written several books. He is the coach to all the presidents and all the biggest, you know, kind of busy, like the Richard Bransons of the world. And so what he does now is he comes in and helps our clients through that transition, mm. helps them to decide if divorce is even the right choice people go through midlife crisis sometimes the crisis is within them it's not their partner yeah and if we can help them go through that and we can because it's all about love right it doesn't matter if we match them if we can help them identify love and who that person is then mm. that's our, that's really our job so we are now working with people through the transition of 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 divorce and once they're in a relationship we do check in with them we're starting to add um couples counseling because just because Dan, uh, um, Anna and Dan have lasted 15 years and have a beautiful son doesn't mean that they're always sure. um, you know, giddy every second. Um, maybe they could use a little bit of, um, of you know, connection and counseling as well. So we have added a whole stream of services and it's really expanded and we've realized that we're more of a club um, with some of the excursions and other things that we're offering people um, and the workshops and stuff. So now people can come in pretty much at any level, as long as they can afford our fees, that's still a, that's still a, a hurdle to get into. Mm -hmm. but, um, but we're meeting people where they are and we're helping them get to where they want to be. I love that. You said something that I find so important. Even if somebody listening to this might not be able to really identify um, with maybe the lifestyles of or the demographics of the people that you mainly work with like love is love and a big component i think of finding and finding love is being emotional ready 
right? Mm -hmm. And you said that as a criteria um, to you, what does it mean to be emotionally ready? And what does that look like? What can we begin to do in our lives if someone is wanting to increase their capacity to invite in a romantic partnership? How do they get romantic or emotionally ready to do that? Well, I believe that we reflect where we are. So if you're out there and you're a chronic dater and you're swiping and you're texting and you're meeting one person after another, thinking that at some point the right person is going to sit in front of you, the fastest way that you can make that happen is to actually look inside of you hmm. and, and, and decide whether or not you're showing up as the, the best version of yourself. I just did a, a, an article for a magazine yesterday and the, the question was, what hap what does it mean when you feel like you've run out of things to say with your partner and are there any hacks to um to add new conversation like what happens when the person that you used to have conversations with just kind of goes dry right now most people would say oh we've grown apart or oh we don't see eye to eye or anytime we talk we just argue or i'm too tired or I, my kids get all my attention or my job is really boring like what are we going to talk about and so what i've noticed when you look on Google for answers or you look to um, the massive dating people that are out there, they're, they're just looking for the person that's going to answer the question that actually doesn't exist outside of them. It's inside of them. Mm. So my answer to the article yesterday was it has nothing to do with your partner. Um, it has everything to do with you. Ask yourself, what did I do today in the 24 hours that I've been blessed to live? How did I spend those 24 hours? in my health, in my wellness, in my work, as a family member, as a wife or a mother or a sister or a daughter, whatever it is, how did I show up? And if I'm just doing the same thing over and over, going to the same job, watching the same Netflix, and, and, and I'm not really engaged and passionate and, 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 and sucking life up for everything that it has, I'm probably not gonna have anything to say, and therefore there's not gonna be a conversation. So my suggestion always in love is just go inside. You know, if you're, if you sleep late at night and yes, and you, if you go to bed late at night and you get up late in the morning, switch it up, go to bed early, get up and find, you have three extra hours, read a book, write a book, go to yoga, see the sunrise. Suddenly, if you start participating and putting yourself first, you will have so much to talk about. Your partner's going to look at you and go, honey, you got to shut up. I to get some sleep by and you're like yeah but the sunset was so great and oh i tried this new dancing class and you know you should come to so it, it's all about yourself and the moment that you are an interested in stuff you become interesting mm. and if you're interesting you're going to attract people that are similar and the next thing you know you've raised the bar and suddenly you're dating and you're enjoying it and when you enjoy it you attract even a higher level of frequency and mm. the next thing you know um, if you have the ability to discern what you want, you'll be able to find that partner faster. Now in matchmaking, we try to do that for you because we re-engineer it. We do all the interviews and then we put out the effort. But if you're doing it on your own, you have to start within yourself because nobody's going to be the answer for you. I love you that. I love that. Just that key phrase that you said, like invest in you. Because I have found my time myself in relationships in the past where, and I wasn't a big dater, right? I, I'll be honest with you, for the longest time in my own life, partners or relationships, I felt like slowed me down in life. 
And so I always avoided relationships because I had so much shame in my life. And what I really was avoiding is I was avoiding the vulnerability of being seen for who I really am. Mm -hmm. And I knew that after a while of going from a few relationships, dating for six months and then bouncing, my excuse was, or how I justified it would be, oh, they, they're just slowing me down from reaching uh, where I want to reach in life, right? And I can look back at that now and be like, you're just full of shit, Caleb. Um, and it really was more or less the, um, the fear of being seen uh, because I had so much shame in my life and shame was the driving force behind my life for so long. And that shame- reminding you of that, right? Pardon? That, that was a reflection for you. Big time. Yeah. Big time. And so that was just a moment where it's like, I really do- I need to go inward because for the longest time I was putting a demand on the person that I was dating to be somebody that they were never meant to be. Mm -hmm. Right. I was trying to find something inside of them that I was supposed to find within myself. And then you can go down so many relationships. And at some point, you know, one broken relationship or one failed relationship or however you want to see it, at some point you have to look at yourself in the mirror and be like, what's the one common denominator in all of these relationships? Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And you would be surprised at how many people don't, don't do that. We, we, again, take them through that process. So um, within our, our group, I think that's something that... Um, is maybe a highlight of the journey with Kelleher because not many people call a matchmaker expecting that. Mm. They call a matchmaker expecting to find the person that they can't find on their own. And they don't really want to care about the process, right? Because it's not very sexy. And the mystery of like, oh, they have that unknown person. But it really comes down to understanding who it is that has presented themselves in front of us and figure out what works for them, what doesn't work, why? What are the choices that they've made? Because yeah. while we say love is at the center of everything that we do and really the center of anything in the world, um, we are an accumulation of every decision that we've ever made in our life. Yeah. We've decided to, be, to become an NFL football player. <laughs> we've, you know, we've decided to become an army lieutenant. We've decided to um, go to the church that you decide, decided to get married, decided to do a podcast. You are the accumulation of all the decisions that you've made. And many times what people do is they go through life without keeping track mm. or without using the positive decisions that they've made in the past, reflect on them and take what works and then put those same decision-making tools in the future. So one of the things that we like to say that we do is give you the ability to stand on a balcony and look over this sure. beautiful vineyard or hillside and see every decision that you've made and kind of start to pull in the pieces of now what emotion caused that decision or what were the consequences or what were the positives? And then, and then you start to kind of realize, oh, now I see why I've been dating all these people or now I get why I've been divorced twice or, or it, whatever it is, it becomes clear at some point. And then it's so beautiful to be able to, 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 to put the right person in their path. And that's why I think the marriages that we do in particular, um, you know, I've heard of a couple divorces, but we have like 10,000 marriages and there's probably a, a small, too small of an amount of divorces to even um, count. So I think I know of three in 30 years, not that wow. that's all that we've had, 
but there's so much beautiful stuff that can go into the right relationship and people out there are just looking for chemistry and then mm. they're trying to figure out the rest and it's kind of it's random and reckless <laughs> yeah random and reckless is right i love like essentially what you're just describing is like this self-reflection process this deploying some self-awareness in your life to look a little deeper than what you see with your natural eyes right which is so beautiful because I, I can't remember who said it but it's until we make the unconscious conscious right life will keep repeating itself and we'll just call it fate right right, right. exactly so we make the unconscious conscious i think that's how it is um, life will just keep repeating itself and we'll call it fate so there is that necessary uh time of reflection that's so beautiful that you're help leading people down that um i know that inside of dating uh, the art of first impressions is important. And I'm, there is an art to it, I will have to admit. I think I knew that Kara was the one for me because she laughed at my first joke and that was our first impression. <laughs> and I'm not that funny. <laughs> and I felt like there's a part of me that longs to be funny. And when she laughed at my joke, I was like, you see me. <laughs> oh, <that's funny. laughs> um, and as silly as it is, it's honestly kind of true. And I was just like, I was so inquisitive in that moment I'm like I want to know more about your soul um but I'm curious like can we talk about the art of first impressions because I know there are um, people who are recently divorced listening to this or people who are still single and longing to find their soulmate um but maybe they're just hesitant to get back out into the dating pool because of uh, I would have to admit, say probably think that that first connection meeting new people it can be awkward and uncertain and full of a lot of feelings Absolutely. And, you know, most of um, when I had my radio show, they, they had a, um, you know, you get your repeat visitors and um, I was getting my repeat visitors uh, higher than the, the local PhD people that had different, um, different radio shows. One, one person that's quite well known, they were trying to figure it out and, and they realized that my advice is usually based on experience and and working with thousands of people and it wasn't something that i learned in school that i'm going to give to every single person regardless of their race their age their culture yeah. right because one thing does not feed all so i like to um i like to use examples and i'm going to do another one with with that question so there was a wonderful very very cute young lady uh, probably about 27 or 28 she was an attorney and her name was Sarah and she joined down in the um, Orange County area of California. And when I met her, she was extremely bright. She was extremely pretty um, and naturally, naturally beautiful, but, but she had a really cute figure, dressed well, everything very easy to match, point being. And yet she had three or four dates and was not getting a second date. And it was so unusual to me because I knew that these were good matches and I knew she was super cute, so it couldn't have been that. So why aren't these men asking her out? What is it about that first impression that mm. is putting them off? And when I spoke with her, she said, I don't know what it is. It must be, you know, you're not getting me my match. So you just have to do a better job. When I spoke to the men one after another, there was a pattern. Mm. And they were not interested in her because they didn't feel seen. Just like you said, when she laughed at your joke, you were seen why aren't these men feel feeling like she cares or that she's interested in them? So I didn't have the answer, but I turned around and I called Sarah and I said, how are you showing up on these dates? And she said, what do you mean? And I said, I'm just really curious. What are you wearing? She thought that was a superficial question. And the next thing was, you know, 
I was gonna I was gonna go deeper, but she kind of answered the next question. So she said, "Well, I don't know why that would matter, but I wear jeans and a t-shirt and no makeup." And I said, "Okay, why is that? Because that's not how you showed up for me." And she said, "Because I want a man that the right man for me is gonna love me for who I am, and he's gonna see me for what I really look like, and if he's the right guy, he's gonna ask me out on a second date." And I said, I can see that logic. I'm not sure if it's accurate, but I'm going to get back to you. So I called the three, I called the four men, three or four men that she had met. And I explained to them if it had anything to do and why they thought it might have had a reaction to them where they weren't interested. And the same thing came out of every single one's mouth. They, all the men said, I felt like she didn't care. Mm. I felt like I was excited about this match. I got dressed up. I put reservations at a really nice restaurant and she showed up as if she was just passing by. Maybe she was going to pick up a gallon of milk at the, at the, at 7-Eleven on the way. She didn't show that she prepared for me. So I assumed I was just kind of interrupting her day. So when I called her back and we talked about first impressions, it never occurred to her that showing effort and showing up as your best version of yourself might actually then get the guy thinking, oh, she's, you know, wow, I, I kind of like her because the men were showing up for her and she was actually putting something out there that wasn't really real. She was trying to, you know, through her mind, almost manipulate them to like her first before they actually felt attracted to her. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that with the guy. So it was a really good learning lesson for her. The next time she just put on, you know, something cute and showed up on the date and she, she, she never had any trouble after that. But I think first impressions are, are everything. Um, I think you need to be yourself, but you, but you have to show effort and you have to be interested in the person in front of you, you yeah. know, ask questions because you want to be seen and you want to be, um, and, and you want to be able to share. So it has to be both sides. And, and, um, and then I think that, you know, everything kind of flows from there, but she was really uh, hurting herself in, in <laughs> She makes me uh, actually think about me on the football field and I'll explain it. I, in the NFL might've been like the only professional football player that wanted to be good enough to be on a team, but not good enough to play on Sundays, right? Because if I played on Sundays, I actually risked being seen and being exposed as the imposter that I thought I was the fraud that I didn't have what it takes. Like, cause I was so afraid that, oh my God, if it's again, because of the shame that was lying dormant in my heart, I was just so afraid that if I didn't show up and it wasn't good enough, therefore I wasn't enough. And then what would that say about me then? And so I actually, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I actually, um, I knew that I didn't study my playbook. I didn't show up and I didn't prepare as much as I needed to by studying my playbook. When all my other teammates uh, would be studying, I would go do something else, right? And there was this moment of kind of reconciliation and therapy years later when I was kind of processing this, where I realized that if I had shown up and studied my playbook as hard as I could study it, and I still wasn't good enough to make it, what does that say about me then? right? It really says that I'm not enough. So by not studying my playbook, I actually gave myself a way out, right? Now I had this kind of excuse on why my future or why my athletic career didn't play out the way 
I anticipated or other people anticipated. And I find that her story, and I say this because I find that her story is like, it's almost like our rationale or rational parts of our brains are being like, yeah, I see that logic. Like, I'm going to just dress down. I'm going to be me. This is who you're going to wake up next to if you choose me, if we choose each other. You know, and so I'm just going to show up and if they want to pick me, they can pick me. But I think there's a part maybe and I obviously don't know her and I'm not making this assumption, but I do think that if we take the time to dig deeper, it's kind of like, oh, if I show up my best self, all dolled up looking beautiful, and he still doesn't pick me. What does that say about me now? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. But if I show up, with just dressed down, no makeup, not expecting anything, and he doesn't pick me, I can rational, I can justify that, right? right? Because I it in that reasoning of why why I wasn't chosen. Yeah, no, it's 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 very true. I think that we can learn so much about ourselves through through the dating process, and and uh, feedback is so important. Anytime somebody meets someone, the um, the the amount of information that we share is um is it incredible and you know when people sit down with a psychologist or a psychiatrist uh that professional is only getting one side of the story they're getting her saying yeah you know i've, I've met four great guys their profiles are amazing i'm i'm attracted to them and i just you know they're not calling me back and this person's going to go through as much as they can but when i get on the phone i that's why we say i'm the fly on the wall i i can go back and say well you know, I had, a, I had a gentleman who really, really, really liked a woman, couldn't wait to ask her out again, but didn't. And mm. I said, why didn't you? He said, well, she wasn't interested. I said, how do you know? <laughs> he didn't make eye contact with me. You know, if somebody's interested, they're going to look at me in the eye and get a little, you know, flustered. And, you know, you get that whole feeling going. And, um, and he said, so I, I'll, I'll move on. But boy, she, she would have been the one for me if she was interested. Oh, I have access to her, right? I'm not a one person client. <laughs> I got both of them. So I called her up and I said, how did it go? She said, oh my God, I can't wait to see him again. And I said, oh, you want to see him again? And she said, yes. And I said, you know, he didn't get the impression that you were interested. And she said, well, I don't know how that is. And she said, he was so handsome. I could barely look at him. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I can fix that up immediately called him. And he was like, Oh, you're kidding. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm calling you right now. And I think to myself, how many dates mm. go wrong in the world, because there's not a matchmaker involved, or that person that knows both. I bet 1000s a day, he would have never called her again. Yeah, never called her again. I have so many stories like that we fix simple little things between mm. two people that assume the because uh, they're so you know, they're so distraught and they're just like, well, another girl doesn't like me. I'm just going to move on because there's so many. And meanwhile, she's the one. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we could honestly just, we could do so much for ourselves if we were just willing to kind of take it one more step and put yourself out there even more like, Hey, I'm into you, but for some reason I'm feeling like you're not into me. And I just want to kind of clarify this because at our last time, you know, at dinner, you just were not looking at me in the eye. Can we get some understanding here? And yeah. if we were just willing to be a little bit more brave, embrace a little bit of courage. I think Brene Brown talks about how it's like, all we need is six seconds to like find the, to, to get over the hump of that vulnerable moment, just six seconds of courage and you're over the hump of that vulnerable moment. And then you're just going to be amazed at what you actually 
begin to understand about things that were, we always go to the worst case scenario. Yeah. Right. We always, because we are, it's like that we're trying, I think to, um, it's that, uh, yeah, I think Brene Brown talks about, we forebode joy. We try to beat vulnerability to the punch. And so we build these worst case scenarios and I can see myself even doing that with my wife where this happens, this happens, this happens. And instead of just going out and just asking her point blank, Hey, what's going on here? Or, Hey, why did this happen? Whatever it might be, my mind automatically goes in this worst case scenario. And then I live in this fantasy world, which creates hell in my, over my overall mental health and my emotional well-being. And it can be prevented if we just take one extra step and just put our cards on the table and to ask the hard question. And lots of times we need to be inspired by someone else's life that yeah. we can, you know, um, really uh, connect with and relate to. And in that, in that, um, I guess, opportunity of seeing through their eyes, you realize I'm doing the same thing. I could also make a change. Yeah. Sometimes it takes, you know, reading that book, seeing that quote, yep. uh, or you said seeing that tweet, um, finding something that rings that bell and you have that aha moment. And um, so being able to listen to podcasts, being yeah. able to experience different speakers, you'll find little pieces of yourself in their stories. And in that you can find your own story. So it, it, it really is um, opening up your uh, senses and awareness and being able to take a lot in and then decipher what what in that information is your is your story? Yeah, there's nothing more valuable um, for us than our curiosity. Exactly. Just to get so curious about why, why is this happening? Why am I responding this way? Like, why am I seeing things unfold in this way? Like, why is this happening? And like you said, like, that curiosity will lead you to the next podcast will lead you to the book. And then suddenly you can, you have context to understand why. And now, obviously, why to my husband, his answer is Z. <laughs> hey, that's not getting me anywhere. I go, why? And he goes, oh, Z. Okay, I get it now. I went over my head for a second. <laughs> I get it now. What? Z. <laughs> I'm so doing that. <laughs> She's just going to look at me like, are you sure you want to go there? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, can I ask you a, uh, I guess, kind of a hard, more vulnerable question? Absolutely. When was the last time that you would say you had your heart broke or massive disappointment? Um, and how did you work through it? Um, I had a massive disappointment. Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I had a life experience about four years ago where I had a, um, a diagnosis of a health illness that I didn't expect that came out of literally out of nowhere. And um, there were no signs and, and it just kind of um, was something that I was just checking on like you normally do and, and um, felt, felt a little bit different, went to the doctor, found out that I had a diagnosis. And it, you know, when you talk to doctors and they tell you things, um, I'm sure this is no news to your audience. You, you, you know, it's it starts that doom and gloom inside of us, and they give you percentages and they give you time clocks and all of these things, which are thoughts, mm -hmm. become things for those 
that allow that to happen. So the way that I got through my illness is I, I heard it for what it was, but I decided to address it very differently than their expectation. And I chose it as an opportunity to um, stop, reflect, figure out, okay, these are the whys, right? But, but, but what, what, why did I, why did I receive this information? Um, what am I doing that um, I'm neglecting myself? Because I think when people love their job, they tend to overwork and they think, well, it's okay. Cause I love what I do. Right. I have five children, two stepkids and three children of my own. And I spend um, a tremendous amount of time in my company, a tremendous amount of time with my children and a tremendous amount of time in my philanthropy. And, um, and I thought, well, I love all of this, so I can't get sick. Right. And I'm young and I'm athletic and I'm, you know, healthy and all that. So I'm never going to get sick. I'll worry about that later. Well, it's not, that's not the way it goes. You do have to put yourself first. And that was a learning lesson. So the way that I got through it is I, 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 I started learning about meditation. I started learning that we attract whatever it is. There is no assertion. Um, you, nobody did anything to you. Um, you are responsible for stubbing your toe. You're responsible for breaking your leg. You're responsible for you know, getting fired and you're responsible for any sort of disease or diagnosis that you may have had in the past or may receive in the future. And so therefore, um, I thought of what an, what an amazing opportunity to push restart. Mm. I'm going to now say mom's first <laughs> and I'm going to decide what I want to do today. And if I'm healthy and I'm feeling like I'm putting myself first, everything else is just going to come into play. And one of the things that I learned, which I thought was so fantastic is, um, you know, if people try to meditate, and especially me in the past, I sit down and meditate and I think of all the gazillion things that I need to do, yeah. right? Trying to meditate, but I got like 10 lists of things to do. And then I learned through Bob Proctor from Abraham Hicks, from um, Joe Dispensa, from the books that I've read, that the best thing you can do is get into that sauna or get into that meditation room, shut everything down kind of align with who you are and your source energy. And when you leave that meditation box, that list of stuff that you were going to do instead of meditate is actually going to come to you. Mm. You don't do it anymore because you just aligned yourself. And when yeah. you align yourself, you're in your happy place. And when you're a happy place, you're not going to get any negative stuff. It can't come in. So I learned more in this diagnosis many years ago and I transformed my entire life because I was doing it for others, but I wasn't doing it for myself. And so I think that now anytime anybody around me has bad news or gets hurt or has an injury or gets a diagnosis of some sort, I like revel in the opportunity to transform their life and let them realize that we can, we can manifest health and we can manifest success within moments mm. if we can align ourselves with our true source and our true purpose and that that's not emotionally being ready for dating we're, we're now talking on a whole spiritual yeah. level right and that's why people that have faith it doesn't matter what their faith is it doesn't matter what god it is or what if it's planet earth faith is truly saying i know 
that I have an alignment with something bigger and greater than me. And I am so in love with this alignment that I know I can get over anything. And that's where you get those miracles and you say there is such a thing as God and I have proof and, and faith gets people so much further than those that decide to not have faith. And I feel really bad for the people that just think we're here mm. and then we're going to die and there's nothing else going on. And like you said, it's, it's fate, whatever happens to me, well, that's going to happen anyway. And I'm like, no, you actually are in charge of yourself and mm -hmm. you need to take anything positive and negative and, and, and make sure that it's what you, you are attracting in. So I just slow down and I just really look at everything now and I see the world in color. And, um, I was, it was a blur before I was just moving too fast, man. That is beautiful on so many different levels. First and foremost, I just want to say that I, I deeply honor you. Um, it takes so much courage to respond to any sort of fear diagnosis, whatever it might be, um, in that way. It just, it really does. It takes so much courage. And so I know you have your people probably saying the same thing to you, but from a stranger who you just met, I, I deeply honor you. And I'm, I'm thankful that you uh, are showing up in the world because the energetic space that you're creating in your own heart and inevitably now in your life is the space that now so many people get to enter into and transform their lives just because they got into your space and you created that space. And so I just honor you and I see you there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, it is. I find that like in life, it's like we spend all of this time pushing the river of our life forward. And whether that looks like business, relationships, whatever it is, we've got this death grip on life and we're trying to make it happen. And we're trying to make it work and we're doing more and we're being more and we're achieving more and it leads to burnout. And then we get tired. And only when we hit that, that, that end of ourselves, which I call it in my teachings and in my work, I call it a divine ambush, right? So like this diagnosis for you, it was a divine ambush where it disrupted your life. It ambushed your life, but it was an opportunity for you to now shift your perspective, get curious, right? And what could have just completely debilitated and destroyed your life, it became a doorway to expand your life. Um, and when we want to move from pushing the river of our lives forward to then recognizing what you're speaking of with this alignment to recognizing that the river of life, and this is faith, the river of life is already flowing. We just have to learn how to rest and allow it to carry us. Yep. Right. And only that only happens when we hit a divine ambush and we respond by going into the pain, by going into the discomfort, by leaning into our own stories in life. Do you ever listen to um, Esther Hicks or Abraham? Yeah. Because oh. when they talk about that, that river, you know, and, and oh, when yes. you're in it, you're going downstream, it's not, um, there's not a lot of effort that needs to be no. put in. You're just kind of, you know, you got your little cocktail there and you're going down the river and you're waving to people. You're like, oh, look, I just saw my friend. I've always wanted to see that person. Or, oh, there's, there's my, you know, <laughs> and you're just like going down and people are joining you and it's great. Wow. The moment you turn and you start to paddle up river and you're like, oh, I'm kind of running out of energy. Oh, this is, this is uncomfortable. How much longer is this? Or the water's getting, then, you know, you're not in alignment. Yep. Yep. And you have to think, why am I struggling? Why am I putting so much effort into this? It needs to be effortless. There you go. And a lot of people think you have to work hard to accomplish things. 
You have to put effort in. You have to, you know, if you, if you suffer, then you can, then, then, then people will, will um, be able to relate to you. And there's all these sayings that are also backwards. <laughs> it's, and it's really, we need to take, we need to take um, examples of people that have the success in life and go, how did you get there? And, and as opposed to the people that are struggling in life and to follow in their footsteps, because they're paddling upstream and they may have eventually gotten there, but it will come to you if you understand more about that alignment. And that's really where I am in my life. And, um, I'm teaching it to my children because I said, my if, if 40 or 50 years, um, go by in your life and you don't figure this out, until you're older, then you're, you're, you're missing out. What I, what I did love about um, learning about all this and reading all these books is that I was already doing much of it. I just mm-hmm. didn't know it. So I was definitely paddling upstream. I had some, some things obviously um, come to me that I didn't expect. However, the way in which I got through it, I did all that on my own. And then I went and I found all these links and these podcasts and all these beautiful things. And it confirmed that I was on the right path. And I was like, oh, no yeah. wonder. No <laughs> I, I'm better now than I was, and no wonder it's the greatest gift ever. I was doing it right, and it was intu- it was intuitively. But now I, I I want everybody to know that it doesn't. You don't have to struggle in life, whether it's money or love or relationships or power, whatever it is that you want, you can have it if you can really understand yeah. what we're talking about. It really is beautiful too, and it, it, that journey it allows us to align with our highest expression. And then when we align with our highest expression, we vibrate at a different frequency. And therefore, we attract to other people who are aligned with their highest expression. And then you know what I do? Every single year, I take 26 people to Richard Branson's island. He's Sir Richard Branson from Virgin. He's my partner. We've been doing it together for eight years. Wow. I choose 26 people every year of the high flying disc of that energy of true allowing and passion and wanting to leave the world a better place than you found it and wanting to do one plus one equals a hundred and all these amazing possibilities that people can do together. And we get on this private island in the most remote place of the British Virgin Islands and fireworks go off Mm -hmm. because you are literally bouncing ideas amongst people that have that same level of energy, that have that same truth and understanding that we can conquer worlds together and and so what comes out of those are beautiful relationships beautiful foundations love uh you know we 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 put two people together that met on the island they created a foundation they took a yacht to the b um to the galapagos islands and raised 40 million dollars and changed the way that the galapagos islands fish which saves all the coral reefs uh, I mean, there's just so many incredible things that people can do when you have that high level of frequency going on and you're bouncing off inspiration and you're not a victim and you're not thinking, well, I can't do that. Well, I don't have any money. How, who am I to get to have that? I shouldn't have success. My parents didn't have success. I need to struggle. I'm going to go do it. And it's like, no, you can do whatever you want. You just need to believe it. And when you believe it, the people will come. And when the people come, you can, the, the, the stuff will happen. So it's fascinating how much control we have of our lives once we realize that we're in the driver's seat and we're not a victim of circumstance. Yeah, and the work doesn't now become doing more, achieving more, the next thing, striving more. The work comes leaning into the stillness of life, 
creating safe spaces in our own life to be still, to learn how to deploy self-awareness and observe our lives, to get curious about our thought patterns, to see why things are happening or what is happening, right? To look beneath everything that's had, that becomes the work. And that I've, I've realized that there's come a time in my life because I, if you're familiar with the Enneagram at all, I'm a four wing three and I'm a hard three. Uh, so performance has always been my life. If you think about it, I mean, I'm an athlete, right? And so for so many of us, high achievers, performanceism is our life. And I got to this point in my life where I realized that I relied so heavily on my masculine energy, the masculine flow of my life, because it's what we can control. And I have completely ignored, depleted, uh, push away the, the feminine energy because that feminine energy is the surrender, the letting go. But there came a time in my life where I realized that moving my life forward in this season is no longer about doing more, but learning how to resist less. That's the journey. And when we can do that, when we learn how to resist less, what we're really doing is what you're speaking of. It's we're manifesting. We're manifesting opportunities, drop, and it's coming to us because we have aligned. Sometimes that it's like, <laughs> oh my God, what is happening? I've had things just come within seconds of thinking uh, about it. And I'm like, oh my God. But yeah, you 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 notice the flowers, you notice the birds, the trees, you there sit you go, down Andrew. for a moment and meditate, even if it's for 15 minutes when you wake up, even if you don't know how to meditate, just sit there and listen to what's in the room. You'd be surprised at how much more productive you will be throughout the day. But if you get up because you have to get somewhere, you're starting your day in a way in which you're just that, that hamster going around the wheel. Right. You have to just slow down and you have to say yes to things. And the things that you say yes to will be what you are attracting yeah. once you stop and just calm down from the whole thing. I love it. We went from dating to church. <laughs> Well, dating, dating is always fun and passionate and exciting, but, but matching people on yeah. purpose in their love lives and in their philanthropy and in who they are and what they want to be um, is, is the greatest um, achievement and gift I, I, I think I could ever ask to do. So uh, we say we're much more than a match, mm. uh, but it is, it is still uh, something that every, every person needs in this world is love. Absolutely. And I just have to say that, like, I'm so blessed by this conversation because I know in my life, um, this last season for me, I've realized that there's a lot of ways that I've been playing small. Like, I have a big story to tell, and I've done the inner work to create this space to help people better understand their own narratives that are driving their life forward in ways they might not want to go anymore. Um, and I have noticed and I know that I've been playing small. And so this last season of learning how to resist less, of learning how to show up and align to my highest expression, um, I have been really kind of just really being intentional um, with just expanding my life, expanding my life emotionally, physically, and financially. Um, it's time to, for me to step into the more and just having this conversation with you and being here, even though it's virtual uh, with you, it really, it's an indicator for me now that, oh, wealth is here, right? Like expansion is here. So I just want to just say that I'm deeply honored by our time together. And I'm so grateful that uh, you're doing the work that you're doing. Uh, and I'm really grateful that you took time out of your day to be with me here today. Well, I feel exactly the same way. And we're just reflecting to each other what we need yeah. to know. <laughs> and that's the way, you know, that's the way it's meant to be. And I, I hope that people listening can understand that they too can have um, 
you know, love in their life, romantic, as well as health and wellness and in relationships in general. I mean, if that person is bothering you at work and you have to sit next to them every day or you have to drive in, in the carpool with them or whatever it is, you need to say, I no longer um, need that part of that person. If they have to stay, if you're in a relationship and you're not getting along well, it's not all or one. You can say, I no longer need to reflect that piece of that person that I don't want anymore. And then all of a sudden that person's going to show up differently for you. So you need to take everything in your own hands and take responsibility. And you can just say, I don't need that part of that person anymore. And then suddenly they're going to show up differently. And you're like, wait, I didn't even have a conversation with them. You don't have to, you have to have a conversation with yourself. I love that. Uh, where can people find you, find more about you? I'll make sure to have um, your matchmaking agency linked in the description of this podcast, but is there anywhere else you're? Um, well, a lot of people will find me on Instagram, although I'm not really great at responding. It's Amber underscore Kelleher. Um, but yeah, the company's called Kelleher International. And um, they can always um, fill out a contact us. I should actually say this in case you do have Please. single people. Um, Kelleher is high-end matchmaking, but we don't match clients with clients as much as we match clients with anybody that we think is their match. So if you are somebody that you don't believe can afford the fees of a high-end matchmaking um, firm such as ours, you can still go to our website, go to the contact us, and you can tell us all about you. Fill out a form. You could be a school teacher. You could do volunteer work. Upload your photos because we are much more of a search firm, I guess, for the individuals that do have the means to hire us because our fees start around 30,000 and they go on up to about, you know, three to 500,000. We really are a niche for the, for the, um, for um, specific people. However, when they want to meet someone, they don't care what their income level is. They just want to meet the right one. So we, we encourage anybody to submit their information. And um, that's just on the contact on the Kelleher International website. And then you can also just email me, amber at kelleher-international.com. Ask me any personal questions. I have a website on, 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 you know, on my own on the um, internet, but it, Instagram, Facebook, awesome. any of the ways, put in my name and find me and I'll I'll be happy to answer any questions or have any conversations with someone if they want to expand on what we're talking about today. I'm glad you clarified, clarified that. I didn't know that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you again for being here. I deeply enjoyed our time together. Oh, me as well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful, blessed rest of your day. You too. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E. 
AV on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.